From the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome filmmaker Dilipan Ganison. Born in New Haven, Connecticut, to Sri Lankan immigrants, Dilipan is a filmmaker based here in Inwood. With love for the great auteurs of the 60s and 70s, as well as the independent greats of the 90s and today, Ganison brings a fresh perspective infused with comedy and cultural commentary. His films share a common thread, humanism and love struggling to prevail in an often unforgiving society. Ganison attended NYU as a music major, but learned several tricks of filmmaking from roommates who studied film and spent the majority of his free time between classes in the library renting out films and learning from the greats. He has made one feature film called Sometimes Why, which was selected by the Inwood Film Festival in their feature film category, and is also a recipient of a grant from Inwood Film Festival Filmmaker Fund for his newly completed short film, The Other Side of Broadway. We're going to talk to him about his work and so much more, but first, let me welcome you, Dilipan, to Inwood Artworks On Air. Thank you, Aaron. Great to see you. To How's see it going you. today? Good, good. How are you? Oh, you know, keeping the dream alive, one podcast <laughs> at a time. Great. Uh, well, uh, from my description there and from our previous conversations, uh, it's fair to say that you're a self-taught filmmaker stemming from your passion. Uh, so what drew you to the art form? Um, well, I guess my first uh, sense of desire to make films, I think, that I can remember was when I was watching, I think, the Independent Film Channel when I was a teenager. I think around 13, 14, and I saw The 400 Blows by Jean uh, Francois Truffaut. Uh, I almost said Godard as a faux pas, but uh, <laughs> and then uh, it's a great film if anyone hasn't seen it. And uh, it just seemed like you know anyone could make it, but it was it was had such a great story and such a great technique, but it wasn't made for much money. It was just a, you know, a camera and a really sense of passion put into it. And it was similar to, you know, around that time, great independent music was being created and also independent film. And this was, uh, 400 Blows was a 60s film and uh, had great, you know, visual aesthetics and I really wanted to start creating things myself, but it I was a teenager, I didn't have access to a camera or anything. But it really inspired me to one day make films, so I think that spark was started there, I think. Yeah. Gotcha. Um I was curious did did it make you want to be also co- start your own independent rock band as well by any chance? Yeah, uh, yeah. Around <laughs> that time, you know, I was listening to a lot of independent music at that time. And uh, my friends and I definitely started bands around that time as well. And yeah. that like furry you to go to NYU for uh, music then? Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, like I said, your background is in music. Uh, yeah. So that's and and what was your concentration? Uh, music business. Wow. Music and business. So, uh, um, I started bands at NYU uh, with some friends there, and uh, put out some. CDs at the time. This was around the time when MP3s and Spotify hadn't really started. This was around 2000, 2001. Okay. 
Uh, what were the names of some of the bands? Uh, Arbor Day was one of them. Uh, that's probably the bigger one. We played at Bowery Ballroom. Nice. Yeah. Uh, played some bigger shows and had a little bit of success. Not too bu- not too much, but... Hey. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You have your own name. You know, it's really great that they named a national holiday after your band. <laughs> yeah. That was really great of them. Yeah. Uh, well, because your background's in music, uh, and obviously you have all this experience playing live and playing in front of an audience and actually cultivating, uh, getting a feel for how music affects an audience. So um, I want to shift more into your work and using your passion for music and as a tool for filmmaking and seeing. Uh, I'm curious, given your background, how did you use your background in music to shape and tone and, and guide viewers through your storylines? Um, like, Is there any tricks you want to share that you learned from your filmmaking friends that you can pass on to other filmmakers from your music background uh, that you maybe use and sometimes why? That's interesting. Um, I guess there is a musicality to filmmaking, especially in the editing process. You have to listen for beats. Um, like uh, it's hard to describe in words, but uh, you would kind of feel it, kind of like when you're editing music, when the exact moment that you would go to the next scene has a musicality to it and so there is a bit of a crossover between music and of course the score and I write my own scores so there is a crossover there as well yeah that's interesting uh, and you also write your own screenplays too oh yeah so yeah. I'm curious uh if you are you is there some kind of uh, is music informing the, is the score writing happening the same time as the screenwriting happening uh no definitely after yeah Gotcha. Once I start seeing the picture, uh, with the latest one, uh, other side of Broadway, it happened before I shot it. I just came up with the melody with the screenplay, which was different. And yeah, it was. I had just the music while I was writing the screenplay, so that was interesting. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this new short, The Other Side of Broadway. Um, having read the screenplay, what I love about the film are the driving ideas of neighborhood gentrification and cultural identity, um, specific, specifically as it pertains to Inwood. So it's not just this you know, amorphous idea that everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, gentrification, uh, or whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it's really not a comfortable topic when you actually get specific about it, um, and people don't really like to address it except out of some kind of maybe <laughs> vehemency, maybe, or, or some kind of, uh, it's hard to have actually constructive conversation around it. So um, I'm curious, why did you decide that you had to tell this particular story in Inwood? Well, I'm a, I recently moved to Inwood, uh, I think three years ago, and I was driving back from s- somewhere uh, in the back seat. I, I just looked out the window and we were coming down from the other side of Broadway. Well, I live on the west side, and coming from the east side, I just noticed it was a totally different kind of atmosphere. It, it was almost like a different world. Uh, there were obviously a lot more Dominican and you know Mexican um, restaurants and food trucks and families out and it was just a lot more grittier and our 
the West Side was a lot more families, you know, white families, and it just seemed a little more gentrified. And I didn't even realize until after I moved that there, that other side of Broadway w- existed. And when we were looking at buying the place, it was just like Inwood seemed like only this little conclave with Park Terrace and the park and didn't even realize that that other side existed. So wow. I wanted to show the two sides and tell the story of the friendship between the, the two kids living from other sides of literally the track of the one train mm-hmm. separating it. Yeah, It's awesome. That's really cool. Um, and filmmaking is difficult in the best of times, but you, like everyone else, had to create your film during the pandemic. Um, how did it affect your production and did it uh, uh, because of just limitations uh, during the past two years did it alter the screenplay anyway did you have to make any compromises Uh, were you able to get the film and the can you wanted you set out to make Uh, well yeah we got delayed obviously Uh, there's no way we were going to shoot that first few months Um, it was just too scary and thankfully you you let us all take a few months off to <laughs> take a few months shoot. off. Yeah, enjoy yourselves. Yeah, <laughs> stay, <laughs> take a vacation. Stay, stay yeah. in your rooms for two, three, yeah. four, five months. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we took a few months to, you know, stay safe, and then once it was a little safer, we could uh, get actors. And well, we took that time to plan, and you know, write up the timelines and all that the budgets and get everything planned. And then once, you know, the the mayor and the governors all said we could go out, go to public places and go outside even yeah. and talk to each other, we can get actors ready and start renting equipment and doing things like that. Were you happy with the cast you were able to assemble for the show? It's a funny story. <laughs> Originally, the screenplay was going to be, you know, younger children, but uh, we ran into a little bit of a roadblock because we didn't realize that there were permits needed for filming younger children. How how young were you looking for? Uh, around like 11, 12, and you would need parental consent and a, a city permit, and they would need schooling on set, all sorts of things that I didn't realize when I was writing it. Um, so to deal with that hurdle, I just wrote it to be, they were 16 and got 18 year old and 19 year old actors. Yeah. And I think the story doesn't suffer. I mean, it would have been nice to have the younger kids, but to get that kind of Romeo and Juliet feeling, but it still has a West Side Story (laughs) element to it. Not to put too many uh, tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Into yeah. one sentence. You and Spielberg remaking things here. <laughs> yeah. One side story and yeah. then what's the next thing you're going to do, yeah. huh? Yeah, well, it all goes back to Romeo and Juliet. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Well, that's um, we're lo- all looking forward to seeing the final product. Yeah. Um, and uh, like you said, uh, it was a recipient for um, one of the grants from the Filmmaker Fund from the Film Festival. And uh, how, did, how, did the, how did the grant help you make the film? Well, the, obviously, it, we could rent the equipment and hire the actors uh, we still have 
we came under budget, so we still have some. Hey, uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing. I don't know what we're going to do with that money. <laughs> well, I have an idea. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. You can uh, return it or. <laughs> buy yourself a hat or something. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Well, um, we have some yeah. money maybe for festival submissions. Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about yeah. that later. But before is yeah. like the, the real. But it is. It's like. It's a. I always like, it's not a loaded question when I ask it to some of their grantees because I don't want to hear how great it was or anything like that, but I want people to hear how um, how you're using the money because mm-hmm. we've done this on an annual basis for three years now, and it's my hope that people get ideas from your ideas right. and say, oh, yes, hire cast, oh, rent equipment because it's, it's, it's always like, the thing I always hear from people is saying, well, I don't have an expensive camera. I don't have access to blah, blah, well, blah, blah, blah. I would recommend, yeah. Well, it's nice to get expensive gear and hire professional actors and hire, you know, a post-production team and an editor and a great composer, but really just focus on a good story and get really, you know, get if it's an independent film, just get a good story. And then you can do it with your iPhone if you need to. I love yeah. that piece of advice. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, so you hear that, folks? For that, for your next round of uh, grantees or applicants, take note. Um, so, uh, so as a filmmaker, as a bit of a one-man gang, as you just kind of confessed to, uh, what advice can you give to filmmakers out there who are trying to find ways to create and distribute their first projects? Because you're still relatively new to the industry. Yeah distribution i mean it's tough especially i mean i think amazon was letting filmmakers put their films up on their platform but they've stopped doing that recently and i mean nobody really buys from itunes films so there's not really a streaming platform aside from youtube and people it's hard to find films on youtube there's there's not really a dedicated independent film site for any filmmaker, which is kind of a, a a good idea for somebody to come up with a platform for. But well, yeah. we've talked about it internally, and I'm totally open to not letting the cat out the bag here or anything. But like I've for the past four or five years, six years maybe, my master's thesis was on streaming, um, and. Uh, I've always been trying to figure out it's it's just never been a um cost effective proposition right now. Uh it's getting to be with with how the pandemic has really speed, speeded everything up. Uh and technology has the di- digital the digital um accessibility has really changed with a lot of the OTT platforms and VOD and all that other, <laughs> any other kind of letters you want to put together to make a streaming platform. Um but I I think there is something to be said said about having like a centralized place or many places that filmmakers like this should be some kind of like you know agreement with you know you, you know you can license your film um, and anybody can access it for I don't know three dollars or something like that and you know fifty fifty with the platform exactly so something yeah. along those lines I mean yeah. there's there's all sorts of different deals that can be made but there's I, I would hope that um, some of the larger ones and I know there's it's a, it's a much larger conversation with licensing rights particularly in music could be. Mm-hmm. Going full circle back to Spotify, yeah, and Apple Music, something things like, like Spotify. That. Yeah. Um, but even so, like I, 
my hope is that if, because <laughs> we, we are very, it may look like we have a staff of 25 here at Inwood Artworks. It's also very, <laughs> we're also down to the bare bones of getting things done here and our capacity to make things happen. But I would love for small festivals like ours to build up with the capacity to have a platform where it could be anytime, any day, someone wants to come and check out a film. You can do that and, you know, pay whatever and then we can reconcile at the end of the year or whatever and that would be amazing. here's a check for yeah. i mean it's not like you're going to pay your rent but you know yeah. here's here's 150 bucks Some for groceries royalties. and gas yeah. i don't yeah. know uh which which means someone watched your film 75 times i guess i don't know who knows it but could who, take but, off yeah. but, but but that's the point is like i think that's that's what you're really kind of getting to is that i think it's more about accessibility than about the payday but yet you have to be you have to be upfront about the payday for people because you it's it's somebody's work yeah. and it's it is and, and everyone has ever heard me speak artists deserve to be paid they're entrepreneurs yeah. they're merchants they deserve to make money um, and if it's a non-exclusive license i mean correct it doesn't hurt yeah. right yeah. Well, I hope that's the case. So you like yeah. that idea? I love it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you're signed up, we'll get you yeah. a stream tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll work on it. I'm going to need your help. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Dilipan, um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, before we yeah. say goodbye, yeah. where can people go to find out more about your current and forthcoming projects? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, Send them somewhere. Uh, IMDB, okay. of course. Um that's the only place so far I need to create a website. Yes, yeah. you do. Yeah. But um, but that, that's a part of the distribution, too, is that have a centralized place where people can go. Yeah. Um, so IMDb, IMDb is where they can find you. Type in your name. Uh, yeah. You got it. It's all there in Inwood Artworks platform, streaming platform <laughs> coming Forth, up soon. Forthcoming, coming yeah. soon. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Well, listeners, you have your marching instructions. Uh, so thank you, Dilipond, for uh, joining me on this Artist Spotlight episode of In What Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in the east and west sides of Broadway in Upper Manhattan. Um, if you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here at Inwood NYC for hosting us and to HighTights.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. And What Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York State Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.